So we're talking about who we are, and we're talking about our identification. Identity, I, stands for who we are in Christ. D stands for what we're delivered from. E stands with our equal position in Christ, in that we've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen? N could stand for never looking back. Hallelujah. Identity, what's T stand for? Anybody remember? Huh? T? Together with him. Hallelujah. Identity, amen. And then Y stands for who we are. You are a new creation, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we'll get that just right so you can have it on paper, amen. Look in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Thank you, Pastor Tom. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Notice this with me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. One translation says he is a new uh, species that never existed before. How can that be? A new species that never existed before. Because God through Jesus in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection did something that had been never done before. Hallelujah. I stands for it is finished. Just thought of that. Glory to God. Amen. God through Christ has done something in you and in me that has never been done before. That no religion could do. That no philosophy could do. That no theological seminary could do. No, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. Glory to God. And it's no longer you that's alive, but Christ lives in you. Remember we said last week, little I moved out and big I, Christ moved in. Weak I moved in and strong Christ moved in. Amen. Sick I moved out and healed Christ moved in. Glory to God. A long, long, long time ago, you were chosen in Him from before the foundation of the world. Think about that. I mean, before you were in your mother's womb, you were on His mind. Amen. He had you targeted. He had a bullseye on you. Even when you were out there rebelling, even when you were out there living for the devil, he knew you from before the foundation of the world and he called your name out loud and he knew that you would answer the call. Amen. Aren't you glad you did? He pointed his finger at you and says, I choose you as my special possession. Amen. So this morning we want to unpack 1 Peter chapter 2 and we'll begin in verse 9. Notice with me these verses. These are great. Who we are. Who am I? We are in Christ. Christ is in us. You are a chosen generation. Now that word chosen means you are his favorite. Did you know that all of us that are in Christ are his favorites? Amen. All of us are his favorites. You may think you're his favorite of favorites, but we're all his favorite of favorites. We are chosen in him. That means that we have been highly favored by him. We have been selected by him. Oh man, I like to be selected. I can remember on the playgrounds back there in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when it was time to play uh, basketball or to play touch football, we would choose sides. And I always like to be chosen. 
I didn't want to be the last one that was chosen. I wanted to be the first one that was chosen. Well, there are no last ones in the kingdom of God. We are all first class in His eyes. We have first class righteousness. No back of the bus for us. No economy living for us. We've been raised up together in the highest place. Amen. You're a chosen generation. Now look at that word generation. That word generation, we get literally, it is the root word for regeneration. You are a chosen generation. Do you know that in Christ Jesus, some DNA has been worked in your life and you have been regened? I said you've been regened. Oh, you're a chosen generation. Oh, I like that. I love the fact that even though in the natural realm, in my natural family, there were all sorts of problems. And you know, in psychology, they have three determinisms that they say that determine who you are. Number one is your genetic determinism. In other words, whatever family you came from and whatever was going on in the genetics in your family, well, that's just who you are and that's what you'll have to put up with. And then there's psychic determination. That means whatever kind of trauma or whatever you've experienced in life, sometimes that impacts your life forever. And then, of course, there's environmental determination. And environmental determination is determined by where you grew up, what your, what your upbringing was like, whether you grew in an urban area or a rural area. But how many of you know that in Christ determination, hallelujah, trumps all three? It trumps genetic determination, it trumps psychic determination, and it trumps, it trumps in, intern, uh, environmental determination. Amen. Now listen very carefully. Genetically, maybe you came from a family that was just really, really dysfunctional. You know, maybe your daddy was an alcoholic and your mama was an alcoholic and maybe you didn't, didn't even know your mom or dad. But I want you to know you are in a new family. You got the father, your son, and the Holy Ghost in your family and new things are running in your family. See, sometimes genetically... People have to stand against certain diseases because it's in the genes and the genetics. Well, I want you to know that the curse has been broken. And if there were heart attacks, if there was cancer, if there was arthritis in your family genes, welcome to the new family. It's the father and his family. Hallelujah. So you don't have to put up with what naturally speaking people say about you. We need to live by faith and live by what God's word has says about us. And I hear the word of the Lord saying, you've been redeemed. You are my own. My hand is upon you. You're in a new family and all is well. Amen. So you are a chosen generation. And then notice with me the next word. The next word is a royal priesthood. I'm looking at royalty today. You are a royal priesthood with regal dominion and regal authority given to you from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, how in the world can you say I'm royalty? Because the B-I-B-A, B-I-B-L-E says you're royalty. That wasn't in my genetics. (laughs) In Revelation chapter 1, In verse 5 and verse 6, you notice at the end of verse 5, it says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in what? 
in his own blood. And because of the blood that has been shed, he made you something. You couldn't make it on your own. But God, God didn't require you to make it on your own. He made a way for you. Because he is the way maker. Hallelujah. Because the blood has been shed. The scripture says that he has made us in verse 6. And has made us kings and priests unto God. Hallelujah. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You're a king's kid. With kingly dominion. And kingly authority. And now, instead of life reigning on you, you can reign in life as a child of the king. Do you like that? Well, then notify your face. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of you need to get rid of those sad genes. And put on some new jeans. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Hallelujah. New jeans. Take off the old jeans. Put off the old man. And put on the new jeans. And I'm not talking about Levi. I'm talking about your genetics in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You're a royal. You're a royal priesthood. Didn't we just read that we're kings and priests? Now, I'm not belittling the Catholic religion or anything like that, but I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Catholic high school, all boys high school. Yeah. You're a royal, a royal priesthood. I wasn't such a good little boy. I was kind of a bad little boy. And you know what bad little Catholic boys did? On Saturday afternoon, they had to go down and tell the priest about it. I can remember one time going in the confessional and literally the confessional just shaking. (laughs) You did what? And I got out of there. Oh, man. I got out of there as fast as I could. You know, it's like the couple kids sitting in the back row and the mom thought, well, I'll take them down to confessional to to teach them a lesson. They weren't even Catholics. But I want to put the fear of God in them. And so, you know, the little boy went into the confessional and the priest said, Son, where is God? He says, "Uh, I don't know. And he asked him again, Son, where is God? Huh? I don't, I don't. Son, where is God? He walked out of there, ran out of there, says, come on, Butch, let's get out of here. They've lost God. They're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> now, understand me. There are a lot of awesome Catholic people. You know why Catholic people are awesome? They're awesome if they've called on the name of the Lord and they've made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. So don't get me wrong. But a royal priesthood. See, I needed a priest to unload on. But now Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests. In the Old Testament, they had to go before the priest yearly so that the priest could atone for their sins. In the New Testament, because we're a kingdom of priests now, we have direct access to the throne of grace. 
you can come before him with the same sense of identity and the same sense of security that any prophet can, that any pastor can, that any evangelist can. You have a right to the throne of grace because you are a priest unto God. That's good news. You're a royal priesthood. And the scripture says in 1 Peter 2.9, not only are we a chosen generation, not only are we a royal priesthood, but let's look at the rest of the verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but we are a holy nation. You're a holy nation. I'm proud to be an American. How about you? If you're not, just be quiet. If you're not proud to be an American, try a third world country out. I'll guarantee you by the time you get back to America, you will be kissing the ground. I've been to a few third world nations, and it's not joy unspeakable and full of glory. But oh, I'll tell you what, living in America, it's not the best nation, but oh, it's the best nation that this world has. Boy, it got weak there. So I'm proud to be an American, but you see, you and I, we're from another nation. We're from the blood-bought nation. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And in this blood-bought nation, you have brothers and sisters from every nation in the world. And it's a glorious thing. To be united together with brothers and sisters in Africa. It's a glorious thing to be united together with brothers and sisters in China. Amen? All over the world. So you are a holy nation. Somebody says, well, I don't feel holy. Well, the Bible says be holy. And you can be holy. Because the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, will help you to be holy. And to walk in holiness. And to walk in separation. And to walk in sanctification. Peculiar people. Think about that word, peculiar. That doesn't mean we're oddballs. But it does mean we're different. And it also means if you look up the word peculiar in Strong's, you will see that the word peculiar literally means a purchased possession a purchased possession in other words you've been purchased by his blood and now you are a highly prized highly purchased highly precious possession in Christ Jesus say with me I've been highly prized highly purchased and I am his highly possession amen That's good news. You're a peculiar people. You're peculiar. You're purchased by his own blood. Think about that. You know, the value of something depends on what someone is willing to pay for it. Right? Never criticize someone who's willing to pay X amount of dollars for a new car, even if you wouldn't pay that much for it. Because you are not them. And we must not criticize people for what they're willing to pay for something. Amen? But the value of something determines on the price that has been paid for it. Think about the price that has been paid for you and for me. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 18 and in verse 19, let's look there. It says this, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without spot, and without blemish. Amen. There's another translation that I want to look at, and it's the New Century translation. Notice with me what it says there. If we have it, we don't have it. Or do we have it? It says in verse 18, he says, You know that in time past you were living in a worthless way. Can you say amen to that? We were all living in a worthless way. Now notice it goes on to say, a way passed down from the people who lived before you. From the people who lived before you. How many of you ever heard of Ancestry.com? In Ancestry.com, you know, people are trying to talk me into, you know, going on to Ancestry.com so that they can look at my DNA to see where I came from. Because they can't believe who I am today. They just got to know where I came from yesterday. And I was uh, getting my hair cut yesterday. I was getting a little cleanup. Doesn't look good? I watched Grease the other night. I'm going to go John Travolta on it. <laughs> and uh, I had to go back in to get my hair redone, you know, because it seemed like when I had gotten it cut about two and a half weeks ago that it just grew by leaps and bounds. And, you know, every hairdresser will tell you the reason why your hair is growing by leaps and bounds is because it's summertime and your hair grows quicker in the summer. Well, I don't know whether they just leave extra hair there because they want you to get your hair cut sooner or not. And she looked, <laughs> she looked at me and she told me, she says, Mark, she says, you've got a lot of wave in your hair. You got a lot of wave that you never used to have. She said, didn't you tell me when you were in high school you had real, real curly hair? I did. They actually called me Buffy John, Buffalo John in high school. Don't call me that in the foyer. <laughs> Buffy John. Real curly hair. And I said, you know, they want me to check my Ancestry.com and different things like that. And I think, you know, maybe I have some African-American blood in me, which would be awesome. That's probably why I like Motown so well. And just trust me, I got moves. I got some moves. Just ask Brenda. I got some moves. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to do that. And then she said, well, um, I had mine done. And I thought, uh-oh. And I'm waiting for it. You know, wait for it. And she said, I discovered that I have Neanderthal blood in me. Neanderthal? Yeah. You know what that is? That's caveman. And I'm thinking, my goodness sake, my hair is getting cut by a cave woman. No wonder I had to come back and get it redone. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know, in Christ Jesus, I've checked my lineage. I've checked my lineage. I've checked my lineage already. And I just want you to know that I'm royalty. And if you look into the word of God and check your lineage, you will find out that you're royalty as well. You are a king and you are a priest unto God. Amen. I don't need to look any further. I don't really want to know that much about my family tree. You look closely enough at that stuff, you'll find that your family tree, all it ever produced was a bunch of nuts. You're a chosen generation. You've been redeemed. Hallelujah. You've got the bloodline of a champion on the inside of you. That's who you are. Don't let anybody, your past, your feelings, any old school teachers, don't let any, any old recordings of what people have said about you take dominion in your life. You get into this word and let it dwell in you richly and let the word of God have first place. You are who you are because the word says you are. You're no longer a victim. You're a victor. Amen. In Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Are you getting this today? I know this message is all over the place, but it's a good message. So let's look at 1 Peter 2, 9 again. But you are, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. This means that you are a purchased possession. Oh, I love it. Did you know what? You are no longer your own. You're not your own. Paul addressing the church at Corinth says, What? Don't you know that you are the temples of the Holy Ghost? Which you have of God? And he says, You're no longer your own. And then in verse 20 he says, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to Him. He has saved you from a useless life. He has saved you from a worthless life. He loved us so much, the Father did. He deemed us so precious and so valuable that He gave us His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in Him would not have to perish. But whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Hallelujah. And so... He deemed us as precious and valuable in that He sent Jesus and Jesus shed His precious blood for precious people like you and like me. Now remember that when the lies of the enemy come to your soul. Remember that when the enemy tells you, oh, you're no good and you'll never amount to anything. You are... You are in the eyes of this world a nobody. I want you to know that there is no such thing as a nobody in this blood-bought nation. It's the father and his family. And in the father of his in the father and his family, there's no such a thing as nobodies. There's only somebodies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says you're a purchased possession. And as the purchased possession of God, here's what we do. We show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness and brought us into His light. God called you out. 
That word called there means he called your name out loud. He saw you in your sin and he called you out. He called you out. He called you out of addiction into his kingdom. He called you out of alcoholism into his kingdom. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the reason he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light is so that we could be light. And that we would show forth the praises of him. If he's called you out of darkness, if he's delivered you from something, if he's he's identified you with Christ, just lift up your hands and start praising him right now. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. Whoo. Yeah, you're peculiar, all right. You're peculiar. You're purchased, all right. But you know what? When you start shouting and dancing the victory, when everyone is depressed, it's peculiar to those people. Amen. When you walk in the light as he is in the light, And you walk in the goodness of God and you see Psalm 23 become a reality in your life that surely goodness and mercy start following you all the days of your life. That's pretty peculiar to the world. But it's natural to your father. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Now look at verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10. It says here, which in time past... We're not a people. But now we are the people of God. Which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. As I said a little earlier, there's never been a people or a nation like this nation. The blood-bought nation. One translation says this, which were not a people, but now are the people of God. One translation says this, we were former nobodies... But now we are somebodies. Formerly you were a nobody. But now you are a somebody. Look with me quickly over at Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 through 17. Say with me, I am a chosen generation. I am royalty. And I am a priest. I'm part of the blood-bought nation. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Hallelujah. Amen. You belong to him. Who you are is in direct proportion to whose you are. You belong to him. Now notice this verse. This is great. How many of you know that the resurrection life is the best kind of life to live? Let's read it together right now. Let's feed on this just for a moment. Ready, read. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurally expectant. Think about that. Pastor Tom had that by the Spirit. It's adventurously what? Greeting God with a childlike... What's next, Papa? Only somebodies can call him Papa. Nobodies call him God. Nobodies get very sanctimonious because they don't have any life in them. But somebodies call him Daddy. 
somebody's know that it's the Father and His family. Now notice this next verse. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Let's read together. God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms we know who He is and we know who we are. We know who He is. And when you know who He is, you can know who you are. Because He is your heavenly Father. And He has placed all of the attributes of Christ on the inside of you. Hallelujah. That's who you are. Now listen very carefully these next few moments. Who we are determines what we do. If we are in Christ and we have been called aloud by name out of darkness into his marvelous light, we have not been called to sit. We have been called to serve. Yesterday, a lot of times I'll get a word in my spirit as I uh, begin to exercise. I'll begin to pray in the spirit oftentimes on the way to go exercise. And while I'm exercising, I'll get a word in my spirit. And yesterday, this word came to me. During this impartation conference, the ball will be moved forward. Now, we need to qualify what that means. In the world of sports, when the ball needs to be moved forward, it means that something needs to happen. There needs to be a breakthrough. Amen? And this, this came to me while I was meditating on this. In the world of sports, sports, there is what you call a game that just grinds on and on and on. If you watched the Packers and the Bears last Thursday night, you were extremely bored. Because it was nothing but a grind. It was two yards forward, then a penalty, and ten yards back. It was a pass that went out of bounds. It was a field goal that was missed. It was a boring, boring game. They needed some advancement. They needed some momentum. We need some advancement. We need some momentum in the church. The ball needs to move forward. And at the end of the game, when they interviewed the quarterback of that particular, the Packers, they asked him, well, what would you think of the game? He said, well, a win's a win. He wasn't too enthused about it. But they won. And you know, we've been winning here at Heart of the Bay. But I'm not a pastor who just wants to win. I don't want to just grind it out a yard here and a yard there. I believe that the ball needs to be moved forward and we need to see some touchdowns and we need to see some breakthroughs in the realm of the Spirit here at Heart of the Bay. And I believe what the Lord has said, that in this impartation service, there's going to be some things that are going to break. There's going to be some enablement for the ball to be moved forward. Now, another illustration of this is you all like the Golden State Warriors, right? If you don't like the Warriors, you need to get saved. We'll give an altar call here in about five minutes. But there are games, and I played basketball. I played high school basketball. I played a year of college basketball. So I know what a grind is in a basketball game. And you'll know. 
a grind in a basketball game is this. When your superstars aren't hitting it. When Steph Curry is making one three out of 20. When Clay Thompson has made a layup and that's it. You know, it's just, it's just a grind. I mean, it's, it's like you, you're just doing everything you can to get a W. And at the end of the game, the announcers will look at each other and say, well, a win is a win is a win. It wasn't pretty, but it was a win. And right now at Heart of the Bay, there are some things that are not pretty. Amen. There's too many people that are sitting. Yeah. And so here, here's, here's what I got in my spirit. In basketball, in the playoffs, when injuries happen, or in football, when injuries happen, and people come off the bench, they say this, somebody is going to need to step up. Someone better step up. Because if someone don't step up, we're not going to win. If someone doesn't step up, we're not going to move the ball forward. And then I got this in the first service. What does it mean then for someone, how does a person step up in the local church? What do you, see, we, we're not called, we're not a royal priesthood just to get fat. We're not, we're not Christians just to consume. We're not just consumers. We're to be contributors. And I got this in my spirit. How then does a person step up? Number one, a person steps up in a local church by getting prayed up. I'm telling you, the spirit of prayer will move the ball forward. The spirit of prayer will enable us to pray things out in our future and enable us to be connected with those things in our future. Without prayer, it's just a grind. And it's great to have a women's prayer meeting. And it's great to have a Sunday night prayer meeting. But I want to enlist some of you here today into praying up. Into the spirit of prayer. So that we can see things move forward. The second thing that the Lord gave me is we need to start sewing up. You step up by sewing up. And that has to do with giving. That has to do with giving. There are people in this church that love this church, but they don't give a dime. They don't give anything. They just hear and consume and never contribute a nickel. And God loves you and you're welcome here. But folks, for the ball to be moved forward in a way that it needs to be moved forward in this church, some of you need to get off the bench and start sewing up. Start giving up. Amen. You know, at the end of the year, you know, we have a budget that we have to make. And at the end of the year, Brenda and I put $35,000 of our home equity into the church. And we did that because we had to, not because we really were led to. I don't want to be in that position again. And as, as, a, as a grace gift, we believe for a mighty return on that. But last year, a total amount that we gave was $60,000 into the church. One of the biggest givers in the church is your pastor. Now that's wonderful and that's awesome, but we need more people to start tithing. We need more people to start sowing. 
We need more contributors and fewer consumers. And it's good to shout, and it's good to dance, and it's good to run. But understand this, your giving is a sign of commitment. Your sowing is a sign of stepping up. And the third area that the Lord gave me was this. There are people in the church that need to step up by serving up. By serving up. This church should not be a church where there's a few faithful people doing all the work. This church should be a church where everyone has a place of service in the local body. Where everyone rolls up their sleeves and says, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm here to serve with all of my might. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I believe that the rest of this year, and I believe that this is a good kickoff this morning, and for the impartation conference, I believe that there are going to be people that are going to step up. Amen? And that the Spirit of God is going to bring such an enablement to move the ball forward. I'll be honest with you. This year has been a grind. It's been a grind. We have victory, and we're walking in victory, and we've got some good victories under our belt, but it's time now, folks, to get some real breakthrough. I said it's time now to get some real breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And if you don't understand a message like this, just pray, and God will show you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I got to thinking about this. Can I just talk to you? You know, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 3, that we are to repent so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, we're all for times of refreshing. But what are the times of refreshing for? Times of refreshing are not just to bless us. They will refresh us. They will restore us. But times of refreshing are for us to be renewed, to be restored, and to be strengthened for the journey that's ahead. And we got a lot more ground to cover. We got a lot more places to go. I just ask you the question, who'll go with us? Who's going to go with us? Now, you can have an altar call based on emotions today, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cheapen this message by giving an altar call and asking people to come to the altar and, and wail and cry and weep. And so, yes, 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 I'll do this, I'll do that. But I believe a message like this, God can speak to your heart. I believe that He can speak to your heart. So put your hand over your heart. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Pastor Tom, if you'd come. I thank you, Lord, that we are a chosen generation. I thank you, Lord, that we are a peculiar people. We're asking you, sir, for people to step up here at Heart of the Bay so that the vision can be fulfilled. Jensen Franklin says the only vision some people have is television. And where there is no vision, the people perish. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I make the choice to step up and to step in with my service. 
you have called my name out loud. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me for your glory. I make the choice to sow up, to bring my tithes, and to bring my offerings into the house of the Lord. I choose, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. To pray up in the name of Jesus.